What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Triple Beam Streams, a show where we look at everything being streamed and everything that you're watching right now from movies to TV. We got it all for you. I'm Justin, joined by the lads. We're all back in full force for this week's episode. I'm so glad, too. We got Dom, Eric, and Pat. What's going on, everybody? What's up, boys? I'm good. And audience, listeners. Hello, Brett, audience. Hello, world. It's been a, it's been quite a week for, for Welcome everything. Welcome to the episode that changed my views on prison abolition. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am literally, okay. So before we even get to the, to the, you know, obviously the banter part of the show, there is a meme of Marjorie Taylor Greene juxtaposed <laughs> with the Joker. <laughs> It's it's the greatest <laughs> that has her laughing and I, and I wanna I wanna just you know have everybody on this call in particular if you can't find it I'm gonna retweet it or ask me to send you the link to it on Twitter when I told the guys and I hit send on today's topic I looked like that me <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the the brutal irony or the the poetic irony of it all is that. Stevie J is Mr. J. Like he is, the, <laughs> he is the clown prince. He is the clown prince of evil. And and uh, uh, what's her name? Josephine. What's her name? Jocelyn. Jocelyn. Her name Jocelyn. Is she is Harley Quinn. Like, they are the the prince princess of evil. Uh, uh, I can't wait to talk about them. So yeah, it's a, it's a full circle moment, baby. We are talking about love and hip hop, Atlanta. And we are talking about ninety day fiance. We are doing reality shows this week. This is. My wheelhouse, it's Dom's wheelhouse. I know Pat is like, I know when he, I just wanted to see Pat's face watching this shit. Right. I've actually seen episodes. I mean, I have some familiarity with the current realm of reality due to like some exposure to Bravo shows. Uh, and Love and Hip Hop was a lot like that. 90 Day is, it's dark, man. <laughs> like, That's I the only way to describe it. I chose four episodes, four of the darkest episodes i must say i i had to pat myself on the back for this uh i was i was relatively uh caught up on atlanta i've been binging it with my fiance for the past month so uh we picked four episodes uh the the love and hip-hop episodes were would be season one episode four scrapping which features and i'm pretty sure you agree with me one of the greatest reality tv fights (laughs) of all time And uh, the reunion for season three, episode 19, this is a controversial episode because, and I'll give you guys a clue on that when we talk about it, which features one of the hugest reunion fights of any reality show ever. Again, another fight uh, between a heavily medicated, if you will, Stevie J and Jocelyn uh, versus the, the whole cast. So they, they fought everybody. And we also have uh, 90 Day Fiance season two, More Money, More Problems, which features a classic one b- between Danielle and Muhammad. And make it or break it uh, from season six, which very racial, very, very eerie to watch <laughs> on that one. Um, but before we get into that, we got to talk about what we've been watching. Uh, Eric, Pat and I and Dom, we've all gone back to the movies so we can actually yes. talk about this again. So uh, the movies. What, have, what have we been watching, guys? Let, let, let's go around the round table. Let's start, let's start with Eric. Um, before we get into to the back to the movies uh, motif uh, at home and on stream, I've been watching uh, this new HBO Max original called Hacks. Um, I don't know if oh, you're with the, the with Gene Smart is that who it is? Smart, yeah, Gene Smart. Yeah. She's she's playing like a 
kind of like in the twilight of her career, like almost like a Seinfeld level successful Vegas comedian um, who is kind of being edged out by younger acts. And, uh, the owner of the MGM-esque hotel played by Shooter McGavin tells her that she needs to like kind of freshen up her, her bit, her material or else she's out. So like she's paired with this um, TV, this younger TV writer who has to move to Vegas and she like doesn't like her style. She's like a shock comic kind of woman and uh, it's okay. I, I, I'm digging. I like a lot of people uh, involved. It's from um, Paul Downs. He's like the, the weight trainer in Broad City. I don't know if y'all watch Broad City, mm-hmm. um, but he, he's done like my comedy show and stuff. And, and the, the jury's still out. I, I don't know if the sum of its parts is better than the whole. Did I say that metaphor right? Um, yeah. Uh, it's got some some moments in it, um, but yeah, jury's still out on hacks. But check it out; it's thirty minute comedy. You can't; it's not a total waste of time. Um, still watching The Sopranos. Um, about to start season four. First first time blowing through, and um, you know, <laughs> uh, you already know the vibes there. Perfect show all the way through. Um, but yeah, and then we all saw Spiral together. Uh, but I don't want to. We can get into that together. I'll pass the mic to uh, to Pat. Uh, well, speaking of Vegas, I did. We're recording this on Wednesday, and I did go to uh, fucking Army of the Dead yesterday at the theater. Oh, uh, wanted to see it on the big screen before it hit Netflix. Uh, so I also had the Vegas uh, scratching the Vegas itch. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, I won't. We'll probably end up talking about it on here. The TIG uh, for Delia replacement stuff looked pretty seamless. Um, I mean, it's already a CGI heavy movie. Uh, I don't want to say too much, but it's, it's really cool. Uh, it's probably going to, it's easily going to be one of the best movies that's ever come out on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, well, well they, they say they have a franchise ready for this. Did you sense that with this? Um, I, any, I would say they have a franchise ready for this as much as any zombie thing is ready for a franchise. Okay. Yeah, because they have a, um, they have an animated movie coming for this later this year, also, which is there. I could say like maybe some stuff that would indicate yes or no in one direction, but I it was it, there. There's enough cool stuff in the movie that I mean I didn't see in trailers, so I don't want to talk about uh, okay. too much, especially because I know everyone here is going to like it a lot. Cool. Um. Cool. Yeah. Oh, and I've, uh, another Vegas itch. That's where Bosch's daughter lives. So sometimes he has to drive <laughs> from L.A. to Vegas to see her. I've been watching, been watching Bosch before bed. Do I literally work? just got an email that was like, uh, like screeners for the seventh season of Bosch. I can't believe yeah. seven. Okay. So hang on, I've hang never on. watched I'm, a fucking I'm, episode of this show. Give me, give, allow me to talk about Bosch for two more seconds because this is bizarre. So Bosch is after seven seasons, which yes, absolutely crazy. Seven. Because no show that Amazon made that long ago is still around. Uh, but it's getting a spinoff, and the spinoff, guess who it stars? Bosh. Uh, <laughs> he wait, retires wait. from the LAPD and becomes a private eye in LA. Same so, show. What's I, the show going to be? Like, I, I'm, I'm praying. I'm praying. It's called Bosh. That would be default. <laughs> I would. Act, I would actually respect it. So, what, Titus Welliver is coming back. Yes. So not as like it's not like Batman. Be it's not like Bosch Beyond where he's old. <laughs> he's, 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 he's still Bosch. Is um is Marlo still in it? Uh, I mean, I I, I intentionally have avoided Wikipedia for Bosch okay. because like he as of spoiler alert as of the third episode of the second season he is still in it. Uh, the show is a 
battleground of wire actors so uh if nothing else it's great uh just for that uh, obviously also spiral uh but which uh i mean we'll, we'll talk we'll, about it when we get when we yeah, get yeah, to yeah. dom of course the the armchair auteur himself a lot of new episodes on his youtube channel right now i took a took a, a moment to watch all of them this morning what's up dom i haven't watched anything of, of substance i mean we'll talk about spiral <laughs> together but i've just I've just been striking the fuck out, man. I um, I watched part of Jupiter's Legacy, the Netflix show, uh, and I'm pretty sure my review of it was bad enough to that's why I didn't get an invite to Army of the Dead. Uh, and then I also, uh, I watched a little bit of that Superman and Lois show in the CW, uh, which was just like just like a, like a sad family drama about Superman being a dad, and that was kind of weird. I just watched, I haven't <laughs> done the video about it. By the time this episode comes out, the video will be out, I think. But uh, there's a, Christoph Waltz directed a movie that he stars in called Georgetown. And I, I watched it because I, like, I live in the area and like I know where Georgetown is. I was like, oh, curious. And it's based on a true story about this like con man who married an old rich woman and then murdered her. But oh, like, that's awesome. But the, it's like a, they shot this movie in 2017 and it's just Christoph Waltz just doing Christoph Waltz stuff. I don't know how to describe it. Like, just like he just, there's a lot of like diction and vocabulary. And a lot of him shifting between being sniveling and like menacing. And I can't think of the last time an actor directed a movie where they were just like, I'm going to do my own fucking thing. I happen to find a true story where I can just be myself. And the person that he's himself is a real life murderer who pretends to be a general in the Iraq army. Uh, yeah, very strange movie. Like, this sounds like some 90 day fiance shit. Yeah, it actually, you know, what? it has very <laughs> similar vibes in the sense that like, you know, we'll get to what we talked to Night of Fiance, but like the thrill of Night of Fiance is that so many people are so good at self-deception. They just yeah. believe this, the, the most obviously not true <laughs> shit about themselves and others. So watching this movie, they, they don't create a mystery out of like, oh, why did he kill his wife? Or is he really who he says he is? From the minute you meet him, you're like, that guy's up to some shit. That dude looks <laughs> like he's a fucking liar. And then it just hops back and forth in time of him being like, this is a really great scene where like the it's his his wife is Vanessa Redgrave she's old as fuck and uh, she walks in on him wow, in bed I, with I, another she's still alive I maybe it's not Vanessa Redgrave maybe it's a different Redgrave I should Google this I'm a, I'm a real film critic uh, <laughs> but she's old as hell and she walks in on him in bed with a man and the guy he's, he's, like, he's, he's like cheating on her or whatever and the guy is like dude if you're if I knew your mother was gonna be here you could have told me. And it's just like this most, it's like bad enough that she finds that her man is cheating on her with another man, but that the guy thinks that she's the mom. And it's just, it's, it's, the script is written by the guy that wrote the play Proof, like that play about, uh, um, I don't know what the fuck that play is actually about, but it's, 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 it's about, um, Eminem's right hand man. <laughs> I just realized, I realized as I said it that I was about to describe the plot of Doubt, which is a completely different plot. I knew that's what you were going to say. I, got <laughs> that's, that's what I was, what you wanted to say. I was like, wait a minute. If I, I'm going to be so fucking wrong. Um, but it's a I pretty was about, good movie. I was about to say Philip Seymour Hoffman and Meryl Streep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was, I don't know, it's just weird. Like, it's like the, I've, I've reviewed four movies in the last month that all were made three to four years ago and are just now being dumped right now before theaters become a thing again. So it's just, every time I, I see a new movie. Last year. You would think that you would just dump them during the pandemic because who cares? But a lot of them, mm -hmm. like uh, that movie Monster on Netflix got shot in like 2018. This was shot in 2017. It's it's a weird, like, I feel like there's a point where you can just throw a movie away. Like after a few years, <laughs> if you have someone yeah. in it who looks old now, it's just like, just dump it. Wait till they die or something. I'm going to keep mine short, uh, but I'll talk about some movies. I've watched a lot of movies in the past three weeks, but 
Um, the ones that have stuck out to me uh, thus far are Nobody, which I thought was fantastic. I thought it was really, really, really cool. Yeah. And I also checked out uh, North Hollywood, uh, a movie directed by uh, Mikey Alston of Illegal Civilization, a, a Black-owned skate company. This is something that's kind of been, it's been an L.A. legend for a while, this movie. Like, we, we've seen it as it was being, you know, produced and directed. Uh, they've been trying to get Pharrell behind it. He's a he's executive producer on it. A lot of people have executive produced this. It stars uh, Miranda Cosgrove and a lot of other, like, skate legends in it. Tyshawn, uh, Tyshawn Jones is in it. Um, a lot of guys that, that you, you know, probably seen if you look at a, a skate video in the past couple of years. But it's really kind of like the 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 new guard of, of skate generation right now. Like, you've got Kate Silla in there, which is, like, another, another you know, black skateboarder who is killing it right now. He's, he who's, uh, who signed the Supreme and a couple other places, but um, I thought it was really good. I, I, I said in my review, like, this is a movie that the score that I gave it will not really reflect how I really felt about it. Cause I feel like it will end up in my top 10. My really only issues about it is that all I'm, I'm really tired of the skate movie. That's doing the coming of age story. I feel like we're ready to go to, okay, let's get to you're of age now. Then what? And I feel like these movies stop just short of, okay, then what? Um, I, I think that the best thing about the movie are the performances from the non-actors in it. I mean, Vince Vaughn is great. I think he's spectacular in the movie. But um, one of the, I, I, I do not know the kid's name. He's the, uh, the, the main character's black friend. Uh, I think his name is, uh, his name's Adolf, which is weird. But um, <laughs> That's, but that's he, young Dolph's real name. That, that is true, but but I, I think that there's plenty of good Adolfs as the Jew here. Adolf Reed, Adolf Reed Jr. is you know a left wing philosopher. There's good Adolfs out there. Um, but I, I I thought that I mean and obviously Ryder McLaughlin is is the uh, main character of the movie, but but again like the the non actors did fantastic. I don't know what it is about skateboarders that they can act really well but they did great here and i i love that the movie isn't shot like they're trying to shoot a skate video it's shot like a movie trying to shoot and capture what makes skateboarding beautiful and there aren't many moments where it's like yo this is just full-on skate video but the moments that they have are, are really good i really like north hollywood it is on amazon it's on apple it's available now it's about five it's on five voodoo yes yeah, on voodoo it's on everything <laughs> i should check it out now I, I think that this this kid mikey he he deserves to get a second feature in it, and i hope that Hope that he does get that. I'ma let him spin like a spiral. Straight up. I don't got no love for no rival. Straight up. Put him on the news, he went viral. See, I took a number two with my rifle. Viral from the Book of Saul, starring Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson. Holy shit. <laughs> Me and Pat had a fucking blast last week watching this fucking movie. Eric we the- may have had a blast. He was in and out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just like so thrilled to to be back at the movies first theater experience since the pandemic you know just like i got dressed up ready ready to impress the boys and like throw popcorn at each other because we're freaking out about the movie and of course work shit blew up and i just like as soon as the credits started rolling i was like a, a cloud of smoke uh out of that <laughs> uh but man yeah what what a fun time I, i'm not mad that i'm like inextricably linked to this movie forever now because it is my first post-pandemic theater experience much like uh guy ritchie's the gentleman was my last movie before the pandemic started <laughs> oh you know let me take a brief time out to plug wrath of man it kicks yeah. ass yeah, yeah really I, fun movie i i actually tried to see wrath of man first so i would book in the, the virus with guy ritchie movies uh, <laughs> but uh no man it I, this was so much fun um 
seven minute full rap songs in each scene, uh, unheard of, uh, full young thug and, and, um, uh, what's my guy? Know, and- 21 Savage uh, songs going. I yeah, kind of texted, texted the guys yesterday. Young Nudie gave the Saw soundtrack a better song than he put on his album. I mean, fuck, <laughs> fuck the movie real quick. How must Darren Bozeman, who was in the actual screening that we oh, were okay. at, um, how crazy is it to be a director having to edit that and have all this mute? Like, they were playing full songs yeah. <laughs> on this fucking soundtrack. He was oh. probably, honestly, he's like, so we, the theater that we saw it at, uh, Darren Lynn Bozeman, the director of the longtime like producer and director of a few of the old movies i think two through five maybe um, two through four yeah two through four okay so like the the real like when the franchise became the franchise guy uh he was at he was at our screening and so was the uh the writer and they introduced the movie and then they hopefully they heard me go woo when uh chris rock said cops sign up to die alone so uh <laughs> that made me that made me shout uh, i was like uh three people were in between me and pat um our, our pal west was, was sitting next to me and he and i had our masks on and we're holding hands um but yeah uh i love seeing chris rock in a role like this um after especially after watching him in fargo last season um like you know it doesn't have much range but it's still <laughs> it's some, there's something charming about it and i'm not can mad we talk about it we just did bits. eric eric it's yeah. saw <laughs> <They're> the- <laughs> It's it saw, was a regular Saw movie with Chris Rock doing bits in it. Like, it was, yeah, I felt like, like the script was Saw. Yeah, they kept yeah. so much of the actual like the aesthetic and like the overall vibe, and it just has Chris Rock doing like divorce jokes for the first twenty or thirty minutes of it. Uh-huh. But then it felt natural because it was like I don't know if you guys have ever seen like there's an episode of of CSI that Quentin Tarantino like directed. Yeah. Um, and like he didn't write it like some other guy like the, sh- the show writers wrote it but like they knew they were writing the episode Tarantino was directing so they were trying to like throw Tarantino vibes into it like you have these people on the way to the crime scene like riffing about like a TV show or whatever and I really feel like Saw feels like Chris Rock likes Saw and like it's, it's just <laughs> Saw but he's like I gotta add some of my own a little bit of my thing and his thing is just doing stand up it's just doing his bits <laughs> in a cop car and that's fine. I, I I never thought that that's what we needed to take Saw to the next level, like to bring it back. That is not who I would have called to, yeah. to, to join Saw. You know, that would have been like, a, okay, if he wants to. Yeah, like, I mean, it, it starts with Chris Rock riffing on a 25-year-old movie. Yeah, like very strangely. Like, I, I, it makes me think that that stuff, a lot of his dialogue was not written, that they just filmed wildly different versions of those scenes depending on mm-hmm. what he was riffing on. Like there might be a director's cut where instead of Forrest Gump, he's talking about like, I don't know, like Nell or something. And they just had to, they're like, that's too rare. Let's try a different movie or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it was a blast. I thought it was so much fun. Yeah. Watching him walk into a tunnel where a man, ex cop, has just been like Picasso to uh, Jackson Pollock to cross the wall because uh, he was hanging by his tongue and, and the A train hit him. Um, <laughs> Beautiful but, sentence. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's like, he's doing like bigger and blacker uh like throwaway bits like my take my wife please as like, like <laughs> surrounded by like viscera and guts it's the it's the funniest shit yeah i i, I really fuck with the vision for this one I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. it was everyone had a fucking great time i mean it was pretty much par for the course in terms of like a saw movie it was one of the best looking ones ever 
Yep. Uh, it cranked down the traps a little and cranked up just the cops hanging out, but the cops hanging out was like better than it's ever been. Yeah. So I, it was, I mean, you know, couldn't go wrong at 93 minutes, especially with Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson having maybe one of the least believable father son dynamics on screen <laughs> in recent years. Uh, <laughs> it, they were getting in scenes together and their conversations were like not even human. Like it was like they shot the scene separately from each other. The scene, the first scene that Sam Jackson shows up in when he's at his apartment when he comes upstairs, whatever. The scene was so weird that I thought the reveal was going to be that his dad died and that was a ghost, and that he is just hallucinating his father. That's what it felt like to me when he first saw me. He was in his house, and I was like. That would have been a cool twist, but I was like, no, 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 they're not. That's that's far. No, no. Far. In, instead, his dad is his landlord, and he's an asshole. Like, yeah. that's what I was like, <laughs> okay, that's a choice. <laughs> All right, so uh, we usually do news here, but I feel as though, and it only really connects to what we're talking about today. The biggest news in the world of entertainment right now is the Warner Media Discovery merger that happened literally a couple of days ago, like over the weekend, it kind of word got out and it was official by like Tuesday. So, um, you know, they're going to be merging in 2022. AT&T is basically offloading all of uh, HBO Max, you know, uh, all of that shit, all of it. They're unloading all of the Warner Media stuff onto Discovery. And it's going to basically bring together brands like CNN, TBS, TNT, Food Network, Discovery Channel into one large transformer uh, of Discovery Media, uh, Discovery Warner. What is it? I don't even know what it's going to be called, but this is yeah, huge. They, haven't, they haven't picked yet. They haven't picked the name. The funniest thing about this is to me, like I can no longer keep track of like who owns what and shit. And like to watch 90 Day Fiance, I signed me and Eric up for like a Discovery Plus trial. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Uh, and then it's just <laughs> like, oh, these are all the brain breaking channels that your mom makes your dad watch. You know, they're already saying they're going to put in 20 billion towards content, which is uh, which is great news. Ne- I mean, Netflix spends 17 billion dollars in, conf- uh, in, in content every year. And it's going to be run by this guy, uh, David. Was it was his name? Zavlov. Zavlov. Yeah, he's like he's like friends with uh, Jeff Zucker. Yeah. And apparently, that, like it sounds like this a entire shady thing, deal. It's a yeah, shady it deal between them. Just, <laughs> Jeff Zucker was just sick of that Jason Clark dude. And then just like told his golfing buddy, like, you guys should just buy this motherfucker. <laughs> And he was like, yeah, fuck, we should. Like, Discovery, I live in Silver Spring, Maryland. The, the Discovery building, where they used to be based out of, is a block away from my apartment. It's across from a 7-Eleven and a Subway. And they moved a couple of years ago, and we all kind of thought that Amazon was going to take over that space. It's a huge, there's a bunch of restaurants and stuff around here that only make money because Discovery employees have to eat lunch. So when they moved, it was very crazy. And the idea that they moved, and then now they're, they, like, essentially own warner brothers is so fucking nuts to me like because discovery is not a huge company really and it's it, they essentially built that brand on the back of reality television like most of their content is not scripted most of their content yep. is you know maybe some niche, of the worst stuff in the world yeah niche reality but it's niche in a way that's like very unique programming very unique content that like i mean i guess you can't really replicate it because you have to like sort of not have a soul to really sit down and go, what if we monetized people's pain in this very specific <laughs> and fucked up way, you know? And like they did it. And it's, I mean, Justin was just saying that like the one thing that HBO Max is missing, which I mean, we agree it's probably one of the most versatile streaming platforms. The one thing they don't have is good reality shit. And now they're going to have all this. They're going to have every 90 day fiance episode ever in theory, if they merge yeah. them or if they keep them separate at Disney and Hulu, who knows? But like, it's going to be nuts. 
But I, th- I think what they're banking on is Zavlov's ability to handle properties like this. And I think that was one thing that AT&T could not do was handle Harry Potter, handle Lord of the Rings, handle, not Lord of the Rings, um, Game of Thrones, handle all of these things. And especially, I mean, elephant in the room here, DC, like they, they handled this absolutely wrongly. I think they lost a lot of goodwill after doing Snyder Cut and then saying, <laughs> never mind, y'all, we're not going to continue on with this. Yeah, I mean, I they think- essentially still have DC 10 years behind Marvel, regardless of what you think of either company's movies in terms of making the movies they're 10 years back exactly and i think that they're looking at zavlov as as kind of like the proctor to say okay let's bring these franchises together let's make more money so essentially the 90 day fiance universe can have its own movie who knows (laughs) (laughs) i'll definitely be there they get angela into the next flash movie or something oh you know (laughs) oh my god mary come over here Every Sunday, we're watching 90 Day Fiance. Every Friday, we're watching Love After Lockup. Every fucking Monday, we're watching Before 90 Days. Every fucking, every day, we're watching some shit. So the reason I did this is because, hey, we can talk about anything on this show now, TV, movies, whatever, miniseries, whatever the fuck we want to do. And I said, let's do reality TV. I want to put my friends through something. I want to see what they feel about these things. So we're going to talk about Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. We're going to talk about 90 Day Fiance. Where do we want to go first? Uh, let's do love and hip hop first. Yeah, I think yeah. hip hop is a good jumping point. Okay, love and motherfucking hip hop, Atlanta. Of course, we. I mean, as we know, love and hip hop. It started with. Uh, it started with love and hip hop, New York. Um, that, so, yeah. that that aired. Uh, I think that started in about 2013, I believe, and it started as kind of like a kind of scripted, kind of not. <laughs> um, so it started in 2011 uh, about really hip hop stars and their girlfriends. And it started off as kind of being like the basketball wives spinoff of, of everything. And then it kind of grew. Cause I mean, I, I think by love and hip hop season three, you have Joe Budden as a regular and, and you start having more men in there as they wanted to list initially just have all of the women started off, but then you eventually had Joe Budden, but then they moved on to Atlanta, which was the first spinoff. And to me, honestly, it's the livest one. It's, it's my yeah. favorite spinoff of them all. I mean, we have Miami, we have Hollywood. But in 2012, this one had everybody talking. The first season of Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. Were you guys like, what were you guys' familiarity with these shows? Or like, what, what did you guys think of them at first? Because like, we all have different jumping, jumping points with these shows. I literally was familiar just in name only with, with the show. I didn't know who was on it. Uh, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, I my girlfriend watches a lot of reality television. She does she watches like three scripted shows, maybe. And like most of them are Korean. So like we watch a <laughs> lot of like the entire 90 Day Fiance universe, the Love After Lockup universe, the real housewives, every geographical location of rich white ladies yelling at each other, all that stuff. And like to me, it's sort of like I'm like a wrestling person, so it's like following several different promotions and they all have their own little products and different top guys and different feuds and stuff. So like, that's kind of how I can get into it. Yeah. But love after uh, love, uh, love and hip hop Atlanta to me is so interesting because New York is like, had, had like moments and stuff and was fun, but like I, Joe Budden is just like repulses me. Um, so watching this show, I feel like all the character, like when I watch reality TV, I don't think about these are real people and they're making a show out of them. I think who's got the best gimmick. Who's got like a good yes. character that I want to follow. And like, Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, Stevie J and Jocelyn Hernandez are like such a 
interesting duo just to take there, you got one guy there are fours yeah you, you have this one guy who like used to be like one of diddy's hitmen who's responsible for some like the biggest records like in hip-hop history who's like a genuinely talented musician and like a, like a smart person artistically but he is like a complete sociopath and like he's just he's not well like there's there's things wrong with stevie like he should be like we talk about peak tv is all about like characters that are fake tony sopranos you know it's like <laughs> It's like a, a fucked up guy, but he's an ad man. A fucked up guy, but he sells meth. Like Stevie J is Walter White. He is Don Draper. He's that, <laughs> but for this world. And you just can't stop watching him. He just says the craziest shit. He does the worst things. He doesn't seem to feel any sort of like shame or guilt ever. It's 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 amazing. It's incredible. It's art. Yeah. My um my I mean I I work in reality TV full time. So like I I, I avoid these shows. Like uh, it's like seeing how the sausage is made you just don't want to eat sausage um so my entry point really was like the memification of a lot of this stuff like the the stevie j like rat fate uh, <laughs> that that thing but i will say i i my knowledge of like the rhythms outside of working in reality of watching it as a fan really is based in um the real world road rules challenges yeah where there are like wrestling archetypes and like people leap from different shows to shows and there's spinoffs that spin off each other, but then come back and intertwine and completely different properties mixing in with like, uh, are you the one that is now are now fighting the challenge people? Like it, it's getting, it, it is, it's almost like the opposite of what we were talking about with the consolidation of like monopoly companies. It's like this Petri disc of shows expanding so wide that like the cast of characters become so hard to keep up with. Right. But, um, that's a long way to say I, the, long, the love and hip hop. Like I, that was so omnipresent. That was such a cultural force that like you had no choice, but like, I never watched an episode, but the ones you sent me today to watch or this week to watch, I was like, I felt like I'd seen them before because of how Meme. on, on online yeah. they were. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, and these are iconic episodes. Obviously we're talking about season one's uh, episode four and the reunion, uh, which is episode 19 of uh, love and hip hop Atlanta season three. These these shows, we got to talk about the fact that these shows created the influencer. Let's just be real here. The MLM, multi-level marketing, all of the, the fit tees, all of the nails, eyelashes, hairs, products, all this comes from these people. They were the first people I ever saw before the Kardashians even selling this shit to me online. Like Carly Red, uh, Mimi. Stevie J, Jocelyn, they all sold all this stuff. Like they, they this show is really, and really this season and, and this this part of the franchise started so much. It was actually, it was number one on cable uh, for, for a long time. It, it's neck and neck with WWE still every single week beating their ass every single week <laughs> as number one. It, it's crazy. And the only time Love and Hip Hop is like not number one, two or three is when football is on. So it, it's really crazy how, how you know, I'm the president of the show is. But we are talking about season one. I want to go over the cast of season one. You got Jocelyn Hernandez, who, of course, is the Puerto Rican princess. She is Stevie J's artist, one of the most prolific reality TV characters, whether it's a black or white show at all. She's like the detective munch of the reality TV world. <laughs> she, she's been everywhere. She's real, just... Real quick, uh, before you keep going, Justin, Dom, Dom said... Stevie J is like uh, Tony Soprano or Don Draper, but he's also Jeff Bezos with like an exploited labor force of women who <laughs> never, will, ne- will never sell a record, but he like keeps them in the studio and thinking. You, Dang I, I promise. Of fame. I promise. 
you have never heard a Jocelyn song ever. The That's only I mean. time, the, uh, the, only, the only time I ever heard a Jocelyn song is on Jocelyn's Cabaret on the Zeus Network, which you have to pay five dollars to watch, which I watch as well. Anyway, <laughs> Zeus is a network. I watch as well. Yes, I, I never. I I thought well, Zeus is also like a men's beard product line, so I always just saw the things and I was like, it can't be the same Zeus. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Zeus.tv, I think, is, is their distinction. Uh, we oh also have these, we poor all, women, these poor women are just being gaslit into thinking they're going to be stars. And he just they <laughs> probably pay him to, for the studio time. We also have Erica Dixon, who is Lil Scrappy's uh, baby mother. Rashida, who was a uh, underground rapper in Atlanta, who uh, is a longtime member of the show. She's still on the show today. Uh, K. Michelle, who would obviously grow on to become her own R&B superstar. Uh, she didn't need the show. She actually left the show after like the second season. Uh, Carly Red, who is Carly Red, is Carly Red. Uh, she, she, I don't think she's in much of either of the two episodes that I sent you guys no, but really. she, she is she is she's a focal point of later later seasons as being the messy gossip gertie of uh the atlanta the city of atlanta and mimi faust who is stevie j's baby mom who just can't seem to stay away she just she, she loves stevie it's so such much a great arc over the course of that show too like oh my God. if you watch these episodes out of order like I, I primarily you know they rerun them all the time so like if a new episode's coming on my girl will just leave on whatever they're airing leading up to the new episode. It's never the last three you missed to catch you up. It's always <laughs> random episodes from different seasons. So you'll see one season where Mimi is like still mad that like Stevie is like being Stevie. And then you'll see another episode where she has like a live-in girlfriend and you're like, yeah. okay. And then it'll cut back to her being back to worry about Stevie. I'm like, what the, f this is the lore. It's so deep. Yeah. I, that's what I loved about going from a season one episode to a season three episode. It was like watching is like watching the Snyder cut and then it goes to the epilogue and you're like, wait, why is Batman hanging out with Mara? And, <laughs> yeah. 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 and then, and then it cuts to, you know, this season, the reunion episode. And it was like, Oh, now young jocks here. And he's dressed like if Ving Rave shopped at Zara. <laughs> <laughs> so uh we're on the men's side we have stevie j obviously little scrappy obviously we got mama d obviously who shows oh, yeah. up in scrapping and she's great uh we have kirk frost who is uh rashida's husband uh shay johnson from if you ever watched the flavor flav show uh she was on that as well and you have benzino who shows up quite prominently in both these episodes but we're gonna get to episode one uh or the first episode episode four scrapping uh where jocelyn has to make a big decision on this episode. I did not remember that that was also the same. That one. was the plot, yeah. <laughs> but also, well, <laughs> it's so it's glossed over so quickly. Like it's like this. If this was a different show, like a scripted show, the writers in the room would have to go. We have to give some space to process this for the audience. No, not loving hip hop. They're like, no. Anyway, we're moving on to a fight. We're moving she, on to this. She pulls up with the with the with the pregnancy test, and Stevie says, "We got a bunch of photo shoots," you know. <laughs> I know it's in the previously on, but when she goes, Stevie said, I'm Stevie said, I'm pregnant. She just told me that she's pregnant with your baby. And Stevie like, yeah, it makes the rap face. He goes, that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> like the quietest, most like sociopathic disconnect I've ever heard. I haven't about it for the last six months, but you, I know who baby I have in my stomach. And you know, too. What's going on? She tells me she's pregnant by you. That's what she said. After she gets the abortion and she's like, Stevie, do you love me? And he's like, Psh. he's like, I just want you to say that you love me. Like, you love me? And he's like, man, I got so much love for you. And she's like, do you love me? And he's like, what do you want from me? She's like, I want you to say you love me. And he's like, 
he kisses her on the forehead and he's like, is that good enough? And she's like, no, do you love me? And he just will not. Like, it, it, there's a great oh, gerbil, a gerbil on a wheel running in his head. Like Pat, register. The, the, did you ever love me, Stevie? Did you love me, Stevie? That is one of the, that is an iconic scene. Most quotable, yeah. Don't tell me, like, listen, Dom knows. Don't tell me I didn't pick the episode for y'all. These are some classic episodes. But the big crux of scrapping is the fact that in the episode before that, Stevie J meets up with Mimi or sees Mimi in the club hanging out with Erica Dixon and some of the other girls. He uh, goes up there and says, give me a kiss. And Mimi says, no. And then, he, and then Erica says something. He says, bitch, I'm the man. And calls her a bitch many times. To which <laughs> Erica says to, to Scrappy, this guy, I don't know. This guy, Stevie J. And Scrappy says, oh, I'm going to have to handle him. I'm going to have to put the paws on him. <laughs> this, this development is so great for two reasons. One is that Stevie J is like a, a known commodity in the hip hop world. Like, like you, I don't know how you would not know if you work in it. I know regions are different or whatever, yeah. but like, there's no way you don't know who he is, first of all. And second of all, like this one random encounter at the club perfectly then brings Scrappy's entire part of the story over to this. It's like writers on TV shows don't work this efficiently. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> we, we go from this one exchange at the club so then Scrappy, Scrappy's baby mama, the fact that Scrappy's best friend is secretly his new lover. No one else knows this. Yeah. He has to get his mother involved. Like it's yeah, it wasn't too obvious. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's so insane that that little skirmish, like that one little It was built you know, up. It was yeah. built up over over two episodes. And that's what I really I, I know we're like taking the piss out of the of the show. But one thing that I will you know, credit reality TV for doing, especially within the, the last decade is giving us these through lines, especially with love and hip hop, where it's like, yo, there is a reason why all of this happens. And at the point where I'm at in Atlanta right now, uh, season six, that doesn't really happen anymore. Things just kind of happen randomly. Fights just kind of happen because they, they're, we, we expect it here. It was insane that this was happening on a TV show, much less between people that we know, Stevie J and Lil Scrappy fighting. Dom said that everybody would know Stevie J, but Scrappy still told him he only knew him from VH1 behind the music. <laughs> Insanity. So this all leads to what a surprise. The producer setting up both couples, uh, Stevie and Jocelyn, who's fresh off of that news from earlier yes, in the like, episode. Oh my God. <laughs> and uh, Scrappy and Erica, who are not together. They are At literally they, they parents. <laughs> I My favorite that. thing is that Scrappy says, like, that's baby mama. Like, her name is literally baby mama. Uh, it's and he said, no, even better is this my bitch. And he's like, you, and then Jocelyn's saying, yeah, yeah, don't I'm call her bitch. bitch. But, yeah, like, but I'm his bitch. Yeah. The variations of whether that word is good or bad, it just completely shifts from scene to scene. Yeah. Uh, it's, oh, my God. Uh, I, well, I think the thing that makes that the entire fight so great is that the only reason the fight blows up the way it does is because Jocelyn already, her entire, like, understanding of Stevie J is that he's unscrupulous and a liar and cheats and all these things. Yes. So to her, it makes perfect sense that the reason that there's so much animosity here is because she must be someone he's slept with. Yes. And it's like the one time it's not. Like, he genuinely <laughs> actually didn't know this woman. He's just an asshole. And, like, the, the entire thing escalates based on that one tragic flaw of Stevie J's. And, like, that's... You don't get that on actual like scripted it's, television. Like actual Golden Age TV doesn't pull that off. It's good storytelling. So as Dom says, they meet up with each other and there's this standoff and you're kind of like, are they going to do this? And I mean, I don't care if the show, you know, shows, you know, but the, the coming up, they show that the fight's happening. You're, you're kind of like, 
this isn't really gonna happen. Like, this is this is fucking crazy. Jocelyn, she's you know, but between the back and forth of them talking, Jocelyn just says, "Fuck it, I'm gonna fight," and she starts the fight between them. This is to me, Stevie J gets his ass whipped. Can we just be clear? Stevie J gets yes. his ass beat. He was he was limping really bad when they <laughs> when they pulled them apart. Like they they fall like Scrappy's a big guy and he kind of just bear hugs them and they fall into the bushes with. Looks like a bunch of producers trying to break it up. Yes. But when, when you look in the background, I was watching, I was rewinding because I was fascinated because I, 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 I literally was like holding up a uh, microphone. Or, Eric um, was watching this like the Zapruder film. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, there's got to be another angle here. Uh, if you like in multiple scenes when there's like cameras on Scrappy and he's, you know, barking and peacocking a bit after they've been pulled apart, you can see Stevie J in the background, like, like dazed and like, kind of like, <laughs> in the background. it's like, I like, damn, dude. As you, as you led him with the intro it's like fights like this really don't happen no. in reality unless it's ct breaking somebody's face on the real world challenge yeah like this was was, to it, me. was it scrappy who was like why are you dragging me when they were oh yeah away from the yeah fight. why I he said why well not only that. that why was stevie j biting him like he was like losing so bad he started biting scrappy he was like he like you both of them are bleeding in like a fight to the death in a prestige drama show you don't bite somebody like in a scuffle it's insane. Like this fight, actually, I believe it, it ends the episode. Obviously, it goes on. Stevie J and Scrappy, they, I think, a season later, do end up making up. But I mean, from this episode, you kind of see the, I would say, the heights of what Loving Hip Hop Atlanta was. It is the personalities. It is obviously the fights, but it's also like the actually, it's like a telenovela. Like if you're really into Spanish telenovelas, yeah, this, yeah. this is what it is. And I think this is where it works its best. And I hate to say this because I, I, I know that there's a lot of stigma between having, having black people on TV acting like idiots and buffoons and fighting and shit like that. But it, there's a, there is a animalistic pleasure of seeing this type of shit. It is messy. And I will say, in defense of that statement, reality TV is maybe the most equal opportunity offender of putting the worst of every single race of people on TV and making them do true. the worst things possible. Yeah, yeah. 90 Fiance is going to prove that here in a little bit. Like, yeah, it, it will. It's, it's everybody. It's the Benetton ad of messiness. It will. It will. So um, let's go to the uh, to season three. There's a lot of story here that I don't know that is told unless you guys went back and watched it. But season three is essentially, it was a controversial season for a lot of reasons. One of them being that this was the season where Stevie J and Jocelyn really took off in terms of just being within the lexicon of American vocabulary. Like everyone knew who these people were by season three. It was the most watched season of Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. The they most added popular season. This season, didn't they? <laughs> they added Walker. He barely shows up here. So they, they have Tammy, his, uh, his fiance, his then fiance on the show. Uh, obviously they added uh, Nico, who is Mimi's love interest of the season. <laughs> Bro, we that talk. guy was hilarious. Yeah, there's so many characters. And yeah, and there's something. Uh, I'll let you finish the the uh, breakdown before I, yeah. before I pop uh, off. So, so with this season, you have the return of Jocelyn, Erica, and Rashida. Uh, but you also have Tammy, as I said. Carly Rae returns in a larger role, but we, we watched the, the reunion, so you couldn't see it. But um, she is in a relationship with, with young Jock, who is in a lot of episodes this season and is involved in a lot of fights. Uh, I mean, he, he, I mean, he, you could credit him with, with, uh, you know, having some of these viewers, these season, the series he premiere seems so of this, Zen in the reunion, this season had a combined rating of 5.6 million viewers for the exist, premiere. That doesn't exist anymore. Exactly. Those numbers the, don't happen anymore. Especially for a show, primarily African-American people. 
You know what I mean? Like it's just it's just it's unheard of. Uh, but you also have this this season. Stevie J returns. Kirk Frost returns. Waka Flocka, a little scrappy. Bambi Benson, who is little scrappy's uh, flame or his, his love interest. Nico, of course. Benzino, who is in a large role <laughs> this season. He is a main cast member. I know Eric remembers uh, Benzino. Pat remembers Benzino. Dom remembers Benzino from the okay. Eminem feud. This, despite listening to the, I mean, the collective amount of Eminem that we've probably listened to between us, I don't know that like my actual exposure to Benzino outside of Eminem songs was very strong. So as soon as like he was driving Stevie around in the first episode and like giving him like good relationship advice, I was like, you know what's way cooler you know than what's crazy? Now. <laughs> you know what's crazy is that. And I think I mentioned this, like, it's so crazy that Benzino was actually lambasted. Like, obviously, the nepotism at the source, notwithstanding, he's probably a really yeah. bad dude. On Love and Hip Hop, he's presented as a really even-keeled, level-headed guy who's really cool. Yeah, and like that, but that also just undercuts how fucked up the show is. Yeah. That Benzino <laughs> is, the, is, the, is, the, is the straight man on the show no, with, like, also, no neck. Yeah, and also, yeah, I was going to say, in another, <laughs> in another pop cultural echo that we're witnessing again, we're talking about two shows with two prominent characters with no necks. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the main storyline of season three and is what is it, this is when the actual blogs and the storylines on the show started to meld. Mimi Faust had a sex tape with Nico that leaked. And so the actual story is, did it leak or did they leak it? This is a storyline that goes into season four, even and when you eventually spoiler alert, find out that, yes, Mimi knew it was coming out and yes, she leaked it. But here, they're all fighting because of that. But the main crux of it is the fallout between Stevie J, Jocelyn, and Benzino, and his uh, his fiance Althea, who there was a incident before the show started where Stevie J had posted a picture of Althea almost naked with the term lettuce anyone. And if anyone knows what Stevie J lettuce means, oral sex. So that kind of set <laughs> Benzino off before the, the tell-all. But the main thing is, there were rumors that Stevie J and Jocelyn were obviously under the influence or, or through most of the season. When we watch the season, you can tell. Their eyes are red constantly. Jocelyn is always like, seems to be like she does not want to be there. Looks like she wants to be anywhere but the show. But a lot of it was like fueled by Stevie J and Jocelyn really just hitting the peak of, of drug use at this season, at this point. Yeah. So this leads us to... The Wild Reunion, part two. Part one ends with the start of the fight. Part two ends with literally the beginning of the fight where you see Benzino, when you see Benzino say, don't do that, don't do that. And then Stevie J says, we could go right now. And then they get up. And then the aftermath of that. So we're going to talk about the fight first. <laughs> the fight is about 10 minutes, I think. I think I quoted it about 10 minutes. Jocelyn fighting Althea off the stage, tackles her off the stage. Benzino fighting hit it i think benzino actually hit althea or somebody or, or, or stevie jackson hit her too there was a bunch of fighting going on what did you guys think about the fight here this is a wild fight yeah good the presence uh, of blast was especially uh concerning like yeah it was it was like uh, this made me think like this was this this reminded me of like the end of bruno or something where it was like even if this is scripted like this is dangerous like someone's gonna like get like their eye popped out at this thing yeah. <laughs> all I kept saying to myself when I was watching this was like, okay, this all feels, it, everything is always lightly produced. Like producers are telling people what to say, putting them in positions that they'll at least know will be explosive and then kind of trust that things will unfold as they do. I feel like this was like a Frankenstein situation where they tried to 
lightly produced drama and confrontation, which they knew was already kind of sparking. And they just completely underestimated how much cocaine was pumping through those veins. <laughs> because once the fight popped off, I was like, oh, this is, this is out of everyone's control now. And then, and it was a legitimate brawl. And like, again, I, I, my only real reference is when CT beat up Adam, when yeah. I was like, this is now dangerous. Like he might actually kill somebody. He was like dragging his face across concrete. Yeah, uh, it, was, it, it was uncontrollable. It, it uh, was an uncontrollable uh, thing. Well, and in the editing, the you know the, the camera, the editors are trying to catch everything, so it's, there's a lot of rapid cuts. But I don't know who it was because it happened so quickly. You see one woman run back towards the bar to grab a bunch of bottles to probably throw. Tammy, it, it was Tammy. And, mm-hmm. But like, it looks like she's just trying to run off with a bunch of Ciroc because like. <laughs> because what happened, and I think this is explained more in the next part. Jocelyn leaves through, comes back, or she fights everyone all the way out the building, comes back into the building. Jocelyn and Tammy, Waka Flocka's fiance, had an issue earlier in the season. She's sitting there with Deb, which is Waka Flocka's mother, and she tries to, she pulls Tammy's wig off, and that is what causes that type of Brook to happen. Um, I just know one thing when I watched it, I was like, I think that we could all thank God that Waka Flocka was actually not there. Because yeah, that's what she says too. I yeah, that. That. yeah, Abby says. Yeah, she was like, "You better be glad Walker was not here because he would have aired all that shit out. He really would have. Like Walker's like six feet five, and he would have yeah. destroyed Stevie J." Yeah, yeah. So Walker was in like really fucking good shape when this came out too, because he was a vegan at the, in yeah. this period of time. Yeah. So he, he was probably like, "Oh man, that's so funny." <laughs> so I mean, a yeah, lot of this is Stevie J is cut up, but he's also just like. There, there's no like strength behind it. It's like all aesthetic. Yeah, he's like got the gross old guy thing going on. <laughs> but he's also like coke to the also gills. Really like, coked up. So we we're left with this reunion where they're supposed to be talking about what happened in the season, talking about this fight for a good part of the 40 minutes of this episode. <laughs> and we're we're left with again a, a different really a different type of reality show where they're dealing with what's happened immediately instead yeah. of what's happened to them months ago when they filmed it. So like, I thought it was a really interesting episode to, to, to show Like, what did you guys think about it overall after the fight happened and all of the, 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 the uh, aftermath of it. The moderator was Simone. Yeah. Some more. Yes. Some more. Excuse me. I, I love when it, uh, after like all the title cards are being like, we had to escort people out and had to separate people. And it's still, it was un- unmanageable. But we managed to like sit down and, and corral the crew and we, and we talked it out and it cuts to some more. And she has like this, like after school, like PSA, like a school shooting just happened. She was like, we don't condone this kind of violence. And I was just like, you think people scrapping. It's not that. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, yeah, it, again, it goes back to what you're saying. Like every character, it, it is such a juxtaposition to see these people now trying to perform calmness or decorum because it's like we're not doing that anymore but like they're trying to talk about like energy and vibes and how people behave and how they're not like that and try to talk about in a very like almost intellectual way but after you see them during the season where they're all just like again like a hat on a hat like so many big personalities on top of each other and yet they still all manage to shine which i think is hard to do yeah um so yeah it was interesting to see the reunion like try to contain those big personalities in after the two cokeheads are the monsters are, are, are booted off stage. Jocelyn was walking around like Debo for about 15 <laughs> minutes. I think. It, Bro, it what, a, what an era where you could just like, like Stevie was just straight up doing revenge porn and like, 
and like people just like accepted it. <laughs> this is like, the, the revenge porn was like part of the setup for the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and like, so Stevie it, did revenge porn and then got here. And yeah. the thing about <laughs> it is, this is this is like a overarching storyline of the end of Stevie J and Benzino's relationship. Like Benzino does not come back on the on this on the series after this. And after this episode, Stevie and and Jocelyn were they were in trouble. Jocelyn was suspended. So she was not on the first five episodes of season four and the cast refused to actually film uh, scenes with her. So a lot of season four, she's in it, but she's not around anybody <laughs> like like um, I believe Rashida refused to film scenes with her. But later on in the season, you see other people do so as well. Uh, she was sued by Althea, uh, the, the woman that she attacked, which I mean, obviously uh, that that was not surprising at all. And and I think uh, the, the next season's. Um, storyline is that stevie j gets clean and from that point on he actually does stop doing drugs so that's a that's a good thing about the show is that they showed his his path to rehab and him getting clean and i wonder if that was a uh that was a stipulation for him to even be on the show anymore was him to get clean so that was love and hip-hop atlanta let's move on over to 90 day fiance i've been obsessed with this show since about 2019 (laughs) 2019 was really the start of me doing like my 90 day sundays uh, I caught it on a marathon uh, on TLC one day. I don't know what I was doing. I might have been like taking a nap and woke up and oh, there it is. But TLC has really become like all your immigrants come to me. Like they, they literally have nothing but polygamy shows, immigration shows, uh, and and teen pregnancy shows. That and oh yeah, and fat people. Like that's literally all they do. Tons oh, of shit. fat people, yeah. <laughs> like so <laughs> many. Like it, it is it is it is they the should, show they, for that. And and honestly, like the like while TLC, like Eric, like I signed us up for direct uh, discovery plus and Eric's like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, I can't keep track of a man. And then I look and it's, you know, it's TLC, HGTV, mm-hmm. all, uh, own discovery, all the, all those channels. Uh, and like, while TLC probably has like the trashiest lineup of shows, all of the networks have like their own bizarro version of one of the TLC shows. Yep. Like, like, uh, Pits and paroles, it's still ultimately like an exploitive situation that like is like bad. Extremely, so like, yeah. Even though it's not T- like TLC, like it's it's just crazy how deep these veins run of what they can do. Yeah. Um, TLC used to stand for the learning. The learning channel. channel. Yeah, the learning At channel. At one point. Hey, honest, like, I'll, I'll keep it real. Such a journey. I'm, I'm still learning. <laughs> <laughs> It really is a channel that had the the greatest glow up, if you will. We thought of TLC as like the boring network when we were. Yeah, kids. I was like, my, my mom would watch like you know these oh these people live next to each other and this totally untrained couple and this totally untrained couple are gonna go redo each other's living rooms. Yeah, like, oh, training okay. spaces. Yeah, like yeah, it, yeah, training spaces, and it, it had the hot carpenter. Like <laughs> it made sense. Like, I understood what was going on. So they they really struck gold with 90 Day Fiance in being like, and, and you'll see like the differences between these shows, between the two episodes I gave you. I wanted to give you a juxtaposition of what this show was and what this show became uh, with between four seasons <laughs> of, of how crazy it got. So we're going to start with season two uh, of 90 Day Fiance with couples Chelsea and Yamira. Yamira is a, uh, a pretty famous singer in Nicaragua and Chelsea <laughs> from uh, Illinois. So he moves there to be with Danielle and Mohammed. Ooh, where, where do we even start with these two? Muhammad was at the time 26 from Tunisia and Danielle was 41 from Norwalk, Ohio. Justin and Evelyn, 
uh, Justin from Shout California. Shout out to Norwalk, baby. <laughs> and <laughs> Evelyn from Columbia. Brett and Daya from Washington. And uh, Daya, and Daya from, uh, she's from the Philippines, I believe. Uh, and Jason and Cassia. I think so. I think one of these couples is not even on this episode, but I'm going to go through it anyway. Um, Jason and Cassia. Jason's from Florida. Cassia's from Brazil. And Danny and Amy. Amy is from uh, South Africa. And Danny is from Pennsylvania. What a look on those two. I chose the episode More Money, More Problems because it is an iconic episode for Danielle and Mohammed. And I think what I wanted to show was that 90 Day Fiance to me is the encapsulation of the, I just want to say like, it's the encapsulation of the audacity of American pride that they think that they can go to these places and pluck these people from their homes and literally just have them go along with whatever the fuck they want to have them go along with without thinking it's a scam, without worrying about what it does to your kids or your family. Danielle is the, she is literally the personification of idiocy on this fucking season. She continues to be. Yeah, there's this sense that like, if you're from another country, you want to come to America so bad, you'll fuck with a really ugly person with no money who doesn't live in a cool city. And it's like, <laughs> no, you have to have, like, maybe living in America is better than living in certain parts of, of, of the world. But living in America, you have to live in specific parts of America. There are parts of America that are way worse than other parts of other countries. Yeah. So, like, that storyline in particular is so sad because, like, you can tell on some level she's dumb enough to really be in love with this guy and doesn't doesn't believe that he's just there for money, even though he very obviously is because she owns mirrors <laughs> in her house and she well, should know what how, what time it is. Well, what's funny is that when Danielle and Mohammed got married, when, when they get married, uh, he won't kiss her because he says it's like Ramadan or something like that. And it was like, so obviously probably not. <laughs> yeah, like, like, like these, a lot of the times if, when it's a mixture, when like the, when the American is a white woman and they've got either an African or like someone from the Middle East, there's always this like all the different couples and stuff have this, this specific imbalance of it's either like a very overwhelming, overbearing white woman sort of like Angela in the later seasons, or it's it's someone like Danielle who's just like just clueless and clueless in a way where you can't even be mad at her because she's just like a fucking child. Like you have actual children and you don't think that you would need money to be able to facilitate this marriage from a guy who can't work because of visa. Like it's just like. When, it's, it's, it hurts when, they're over, when they're going over how much the wedding is going to cost at the table. Yes. And first off, first off, when she's like, I love that they show her picking the dress. It costs close to eight, 800 bucks. She tells everybody it's $500. So she's already just lying about the for budget. no reason, uh, for no reason. And, <laughs> and not only is she yet yeah, for she, if she doesn't, not, it's all imaginary. So it doesn't matter how much she's lying about. It. It $500 or $800. It doesn't fucking matter. It's not but the funniest part is she's combining that with like, she's like, okay, so the dress is like 500. And then like, I figure like, you know, for the food, it'll maybe be 400. And I was like, all listen, I'm, <laughs> listen, what? listen me. What? I am planning a wedding right now. When I saw those prices, I was like, "Yeah, shit, nigga. Maybe in Ohio, nigga, not where I'm not from. even in, not, not even in. <laughs> as funny as it is that like Norwalk, Ohio, I just looked at it on the map to confirm. It's about like one of the most like you could you pick it to show like this is like what like the reason that like you you know you're like why don't people watch better shows or vote in their self interest or blah 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 like why is there a difference <laughs> between the coast and like oh this is the perfect city to represent this is like a truly american city especially in that as we're saying you don't want to be there there's absolutely nothing there and not only that but like 
even there, you couldn't get food for $400 for a wedding. Like not edible so food, crazy. not healthy, no, not like, fair food. You, like, yeah. Waffle House is probably one of the most successful restaurants in like whatever county they're shooting this in. And you couldn't get them to cater it for $400. Like what, what are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> so the crux of it so bad. <laughs> the reason why I wanted everyone to watch it. And the reason, cause I was like, Oh, I know Eric is going to really love this one is that, Let's say that you're Muhammad, you're 21 years old. You, you, this woman has told you that she will take care of your, your ass when you get there. You find out, well, she finds out before then that you didn't have a job and you didn't have any money anyway, but whatever. We, she got us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We, it's a little white lie. She going she to handle it. When you get there, you find out that she is in the hole and she has no money <laughs> whatsoever. And she's going to be completely lying to you for months. His his do? reaction is so earnest <laughs> because it's like it's 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 a level of anger that you cannot describe because it's like <laughs> there's not it's not the kind of reality show where he's going to be able to spin off on his own or something you know what I mean there's not a backup plan for this guy it being filmed is just part of it he's just like <laughs> there's just nothing here <laughs> like and, and, the part where she's like, well, I'm afraid you're going to leave. Like, yeah, well, fucking obviously. <laughs> like, are you serious? Like, it's the sense that these people, on on, on, on other episodes of 90 Fiance later with different couples that come and go and stuff, there are dumber couples for sure, or people who are, are lying to themselves more than the people here. But this one in particular just feels like, at any moment in the Daniel Muhammad stuff, I wanted like Ayan Levan Zant to just walk in and just do a crossover. Like, no, we got to fucking fix this. This is, we got to figure out what trauma caused this idiocy, whose, whose mother wasn't around, whose father didn't hug them. You're too dumb to live. This is bad. Like, you, this is not okay. And the fact that he keeps it together enough to kind of be like, well, we have to figure this out. It's like, figure what out? She has no money, bro. Like, it's not like... Unless you're going to sell one of her kidneys, I don't know what your solution to this is. At what point do you hold TLC, like, executive responsible? <laughs> like, accountable for this? Yeah, like, this is straight up, like, like, like entrapment. Like, you have, like, fo- foisted this this fraud onto this poor, well, well, like, well, man. Here's the thing. They, uh, from what I understand, largely, TLC stays out of the proceedings of the actual visa process. So, this stuff was actually going to happen Which regardless. is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, it, it's regardless of of if they were filming or not muhammad would have got here based off of whatever daniel had so they're just filming it they literally and the thing about it is they don't even pay the the uh the immigrant they don't even pay the 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 foreigner i'm sorry like they don't pay them at all the only the person that because you know when you get the, the the visa the visa process that person is your sponsor they're responsible for you for 10 years and you cannot do anything about it so Danielle is still responsible for Muhammad. Muhammad is still here. Yeah. And he has another girl. He, he has a trucking business and everything. And she is still responsible for him to this point. So like, I wouldn't say that they, they have to be held accountable, but they do have to be held accountable for the exploitation of scenes like this, where yeah, this <laughs> he has to hit this. Straight Especially up. when they could pay for this backyard wedding in, with like the the revenue they get from Pfizer for one commercial break like they, they, could, they could alleviate the pain that like even if they're not causing it the pain that they're witnessing and profiting but the off pain of, is easily, necessary like, fix. exactly the, exactly the pain if they pay for the, the wedding juice. there's no show there's no show if they pay yeah. for the wedding like if you if this was just them helping random star-crossed lovers born on separate continents to finding happiness 
We wouldn't watch that shit. I wouldn't watch that That's shit. That's why the whole DLC failed. <laughs> like, That's someone at that network it. had to wake up and go, I don't give a fuck if these people have a happily ever after. I hope they don't. That's where the money is. I, I guarantee everyone in that boardroom said that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, DLC been- is like one or two years away from purchasing the website that does check wife swap. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, like, um, it's like that producer on First 48 who was like literally withholding evidence to create more um, intrigue within. <laughs> like some the- nightcrawler shit. Yeah, That's like, like so- the <laughs> world is real, man. We it's so real. Yeah, pe- people were literally locked up because of this one producer who wanted to make better TV and like actually, you know, put his finger on the scale of justice and changed people's outcomes and like got a bunch of people fucked over in the justice system to make tv <laughs> i guarantee on a on a much lower level some tlc execs are like 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 whatever nev is doing on catfish we're gonna like even like <laughs> <laughs> profit from this misery even more uh i would be remiss to forget about the other couples that are on this episode yes. um there there's also uh this episode we had like some some weird icky like bullshit between um be- between uh fucking what's his name uh his brother the brother like fucks up the oh, whole when he sat down i was like <laughs> the the day that it was danny and amy and his brother sits down the level of 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 xenophobia and racism in eric's face right Talk to me, Eric. Let's go. Talk to I mean, me. I mean, I was gonna let you finish because you you were saying all the right things. It, I, yeah, I, I I mean, at this point, I, I I don't know what to say because it reminded me of a show I worked on called Siesta Key. Um, it's MTV's newest version of the real world kind of, except it's like follows a group of friends who already live in the Florida Keys, and then it's just like these really rich, beautiful white people who are all terrible. It's like Laguna Beach in yeah, Florida. A thousand percent, but uh, somehow even more. Like it has, it has like a, a like a, a thicker sheen of like quality to the filmmaking because it is a great looking show, but it's even more demonic than uh, Laguna Beach. <laughs> but it is a you know I'm sitting there watching the raw and I'm just like, like we should be sent to the Hague for allowing. <laughs> <laughs> like like there's dudes who are like us like assaulting people off camera and saying racist stuff to the crew and, you know, like making very gross, uh, handsy gestures at the women on the crew and, and even oh, the girls in the background on the show. And I'm like looking around, I'm like, what, what are we like, what are we doing here? Like, how's the show not being stopped in its tracks? And then you find out the kid who was the most racist and the most sexually deviant uh, and misogynistic, his yeah. dad, his dad was an EP on the show. Yeah. Like uh, I, I say all that to say like, they're they're selling this stuff under like the guise of like see we're just like holding it's up earnest that yeah, it's we're earnest up mirror to society we're just so yeah. a reflection of how it is but like yeah you're really you're you're propagating these images and these in this worldview and then wiping your hands clean of it without well, realizing the sort of uh per- dust leaves behind particularly with 90 fiance because the show has been long on, on long enough to now like i'm pretty sure teen mom probably helped like teen pregnancy go down because I think that maybe teens watched it and were like, "Oh, I don't want someone to nut in me anymore. This is awful." But like, like, I know the Teen Mom producers. I like, I only know because I actually have seen a fair amount of Teen Mom. The the Teen Mom producers like have 
the hey, same they're involved have been on that show forever mm-hmm. like since the girls were pregnant like yeah, they, yeah they, it's like know, the seven up series but for mtv basically like they're really yeah, yeah. with these they've, people forever they've been together but, for a really long time and i when, think the, when you that watch series does have some earnestness like some genuine like goodness to it you know yeah and when, worth. and when you catch an episode now like the recent ones the producers are on screen talking to mm-hmm. them and they yeah because they're a part of the narrative yeah yeah they're, they don't do the itm or in the moment like uh when they're talking you know outside of the the show and disembodied head thing anymore they actually talk yeah, to the producers head on well because but, of the um, way that show works they can get away with like oh our producers are like actually just like these people's handlers essentially yeah exactly that's yeah. essentially what they are but um the the danny and amy thing is interesting because danny's face family is clearly racist they only accept mm-hmm. her in the last episode of the show when they get married uh and, and then you like you get to like jason and cassia who they he didn't even tell <laughs> his or, or not uh, justin and uh and evelyn he didn't even tell his his family that he was yeah. dating anyone and it was and they were just kind of like who's this woman that's cleaning up your house while you watch sports games <laughs> this is my fiance <laughs> but i think this show is particularly pernicious because there are definitely weird Americans who watch this show who maybe have very poor dating lives yeah. who then go, well, fuck, I just got to widen my search. I just got to find somebody <laughs> from Albania or Sokovia or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, like it's, it is, I guarantee this show is getting more people into the idea of doing this. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like a self-fulfilling pro- prophecy. Mm-hmm. Pop, pop culture imperialism. It's, uh, it's like <sighs> literally hopping across the world and like destroying uh foreign innocent people's lives basically so uh, let us get to season the, probably one of the most infamous season this one's this was <laughs> I, I feel like the other couples weren't as like like obviously daniel muhammad justin evelyn was kind of shady you know the the annie stuff was kind of like all right you guys are wilding season six is wild so okay so the couples for season six we have ashley and jay who are clearly the stars of the season as you can see from this episode ashley is 31 years old with two children uh Married to Jay Smith from Jamaica, who is 20. That's right. <laughs> 20 years old. Colt this is one of my favorite moments. Colt and Larissa. Uh, obviously, if you guys don't know about 90 Day Fiance, Larissa is the Jocelyn Hernandez. Yeah, she's like, of, she's like very big star. Yeah, she is it for this series. And Colt is also to a lesser joy of myself yeah he sucks uh but cole is also here he's 33 from las vegas she is from uh, brazil jonathan and fernanda uh fernanda is from mexico jonathan is from uh north carolina jonathan is 32 and fernanda at the time was was 19 years old so add that up uh kalani and asuelu which i'm pretty sure you guys love them too uh kalani's 30 years old and uh asuelu is 23 years old from samoa eric and lita they both fucking suck eric is old as fuck and he's from wisconsin and lita is from indonesia and steven and olga uh steven is actually from maryland dom and uh olga is from russia we did episode 11 make it or break it we just found out that jay has been texting girls on tinder Right after they got married. <laughs> okay, this was like kind of like a Stevie J situation because he was doing what, something I love. And it was basically like what I texted you guys about, which is what was great about reality. And like why I think it's just generally a phenomenon, which is that no one ever accepts responsibility for any problems. And in fact, they're like shocked that the problems have happened, especially to them. Uh, and th- like Stevie was like that in the episodes we watched. And then 
Jay in this episode when she's like, yeah, you were texting women on Tinder. And he's like, yeah, but I didn't like, they all messaged me. And he was like, totally ignoring the fact that like, yeah, but you downloaded Tinder. Like you- You had to make a profile. Yeah. you. There's many steps in this process. The thing you're saying, it literally doesn't matter at all. But then he actually did accept responsibility when she's like, you would never have apologized unless you got caught. And he's like, you're right. Yeah. (laughs) My My thing is this, right? He's 20 years old at this point. You are in your 30s with children. She knew he was a player. This is, again, exploitive. Because the, the yeah. TLC doesn't, wasn't in her ear saying, eh, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe you shouldn't yeah. do this anymore. <laughs> and the thing is, that. It, it, I think, uh, as a counterpoint, I do think even if these shows did have more, uh, more active producers who did interfere, these people are like, so good at lying to themselves, I don't think it would matter. There are other seasons of this where I'll watch a couple and like, like I can't remember what season it is, but there's like an older black woman who's getting like viciously catfished, like yes. for episodes on end. And every episode, more people in her life are like, "This guy is obviously not real. You've been talking to him for over a year. You never video called." And she's like, "He's real, and I love him." And you're like, "That, that, that it's like that's like QAnon level. Like these yeah. people really get into this fake mind space." And no amount of a producer being like, that guy's probably a fucking prick is going to change that. Like these people, I don't want to say they deserve it because that sounds fucked up. But like on some level, I think maybe they're the kind of people who need to have this blasted on television for them to see. <laughs> maybe that's the only way they can see how wrong they are. Like well, in let me, 4K. Let me well, tell it's you. It's kind of like the, it's like, I don't need, what I actually want is the attention from the fallout of this situation. Right. Whether I know it or not, what I'm actually craving is, even if it's the attention of my friends and family, I, I created a bad situation for myself so they would give me attention. But I mean, it's Jay's really situa- elaborate call for help. Jay's situation also sucks too because Jay is 20 years old in fucking Connecticut where there's no black people. He's lonely. He's married to an old white woman. I get it. He's young. What if we, we were 20 years old at one point? Did we want to be married? Fuck no. It's just, it's weird. Like, the, like, again, like, it doesn't, you don't want to say like it's their fault because, like, clearly just to enter the situation, you have to have to have like such a degree of delusion about your life. But, like, why, if you're in your 30s and you're dating someone who's married, whatever, dating, I don't care, flying them in from another country and getting them a visa, whatever, with a 20 year old, don't do it. Don't do it. Like, <laughs> Well, but Mistake. I mean, then you have right right after that, and and let me be clear, I don't want to gloss over the fact that Jay just completely did not give a shit about the fact that he got caught. You have Kalani <laughs> and Asuelu, Asuelu, same age as or around the same age as Jay. Kalani, they met on a vacation, they banged, <laughs> and she's pregnant. <laughs> Again. I want to say so. This dude is one of my favorite characters in the Night of Fiance universe because he's terrible. When you were saying his age, all I kept thinking in my head is that he's really like Billy Batson from Shazam, that he's like seven <laughs> or something. Because every scene he's in, I'm like, that's not an adult person. Like, so the way he communicates, it's not just like the English is a second language thing. It's like, that's like a kid. His yeah. reaction to things is that it's like he's, we're going to at some point reveal that he's in a remake of Big that went too far. <laughs> and he's a child that got trapped in this weird situation. Because every scene he's about to cry, he always looks about to cry. There's the one moment when he's, it's like getting ready for the wedding day and he's like someone was supposed to be here with me for like getting dressed and they're not and then he doesn't have suspenders work and the producers are just watching this grown man struggle with the concept of suspenders and he's just like 
looking at them like he's fucking Mork from Mork and Mindy. And they're just, they're just filming. Just keep rolling, keep rolling. Don't show him where the tassels connect. He just, it's, like, I've seen enough of later stuff with the show to where they, they get around to the parts where, like, they have, like, new episodes where the cast is, like, watching it at home and doing commentary. Yeah. Like, it's very, yeah. very involved. Pillow talk. Yeah, pillow talk. And the fact that, like, that dude just continues to be around to me and never changes or grows or matures, he's just... Like he looks like a cartoon. He's like, what you know, he what'd you like, guys? What'd you guys think of Kalani's uh, dad? Oh, uh, gnarly fucking beard, but also a lot of self hate yeah. going on there. <laughs> yeah, and, and just you just end up feeling bad for like you get the idea that nobody even appearing in the show. Like you just feel bad for everybody, man. Like, yeah. if, no, there, if you, there's a handful of characters I don't feel bad for. Like, I don't feel bad for Colt because he's just like a piece of shit. No, I don't feel bad for his mom because that's why he's a piece of shit. You know, like there, there's a couple. I of guess heels feel bad might be hating. like not the right term, but oh, like you, you know, do you like, mean have do you mean have basic human compassion for like yeah, like you're just like oh, like like you're like oh, like I don't like you, but like I like clearly you've had a you've had a row of both things that I have. Uh, like you just got to watch, and you're like, man, glad it's not me. Like that's um, all you just got to say it. Even worse than them, Eric and Lita. Uh, as we, I think they they recap on the show. Eric has kicked his daughters out of the house. And, and yeah, this is the dude whose whose kid looks like Skrillex, right? Yes. Is that Eric? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, he this, kicked the, her this, out the house. This, this whole season, like I know, like the cult Larissa stuff is like better or whatever, but like yeah. Eric and like the that woman getting here and realizing that she's about to marry a bum and then his <laughs> bum ass daughter lives with them and just she hates him. She's like, I have a kid that's gonna come here. This useless hump can't be here. Tell her to get a job. He's another girl, one. He's another one that lied and said he had money, by the way. So yeah, that, that like, is a theme. What do we episodes, think is going to happen? The person's going to be like, oh, you're so beautiful. I don't care that you're broke. Yes. There's a, there's a way. I don't want to get too off topic, but there's a way worse version of this narrative that happens on Love After Lockup. Yes. On like the first season where like this really pathetic dude He's just, oh, he's just so... He, Scott oh, and Lizzie. Scott and Lizzie. Scott and Lizzie, yeah. yeah. Like, this guy is, like, spending so much money on this fucking chick, and then when she finds out that he's broke, it's not just that he's broke, he's taken out loans to be able to pretend to have this kind of money. So now he's in more debt than he's ever been in his entire existence. And her reaction is not... It's funny. Her reaction is not, I'm mad at you that you lied about having money. Her reaction is, like, I had so many men talking to me in jail, and I picked you based on a certain set of information. There were other men with money I could be exploiting. Like, she's like, I didn't want to exploit you if you're broke. Like, she genuinely feels bad. And I thought that was just so funny because this that's not what happens here. These people really are just like, but but you said you had money. Like, but they obviously yeah. don't. Look at this fucking haircut. Does it look like the haircut of a person who has money? It's TLC exploiting people, exploiting other people. And I think that's what I wanted to get through on these episodes of like, I mean the, the Fernanda and, and, you know, the Fernanda stuff was cute. It was a wedding. It was fine. The, the, even the, the Colt and Larissa stuff wasn't as icky as it got that season. I thought that I was a relatively low because it gets wild between these two this season, but especially with his mom, but it's like, really, I, I wanted to show the juxtaposition of how, sh- how this show changes from like season two was kind of exploitive. It was like, it was almost felt like real in a way. It was almost like, yo, this is a real conversation. It was, regular, I had. It was pedestrian. It, yeah. yeah, it was regular, but this is like, they amped it up times 10. Like they're, they're way, yo, like the, the age gaps to me are something that they do it in 90 day fiance to make it even more exploitive where it's like, yo, yeah, you know, we know that you think this is nasty, but you just can't turn your fucking face. I'm like, bro, like this is gross. Cause there's, there's another season 
where where there's a, like a, a 50 year old dude with a 21 year old girl and it's like yo it, it, it gets pretty wild but in terms of ashley and jay they do a spinoff show called happily ever after and it comes out jay gets a job he eventually gets a job at a barber at a tattoo parlor and uh it, it turns out that that jay had sex with the girl in the bathroom and when ashley finds out she calls the police on him and that is a that is a big episode because a lot of people were upset that she called the police on a black man not from the country 21 years old really bad icky stuff so like that is where that storyline ends up yeah. Col- colton larissa and he does say he does say she's gonna have to call the police to get me out <laughs> foreshadowing <laughs> he does say that and she eventually does and then he's then he's like why'd she do that <laughs> and i was like what? roll the well, tape play the, I mean- play the clip <laughs> And, you and, said I mean, I'm not leaving unless the police show up. Okay. And, and then eventually, like he and the audience said, "Why the fuck did she do that? That was terrible." And the police almost arrested him. But yes, it, it, it is icky. But that is that is our foray into reality television. I'm so glad that I got to put you know hit some of the the laughing gas and share it with you guys yeah. this episode. True, truly jokerifying, and also just now I have to like contemplate further about how long I've worked in this murder factory called reality TV. Uh, just rife with exploitation and abuse. So this is my job. Uh, so thank you. Don't worry. Regular TV's <laughs> like that too. We'll see you guys in a couple of a couple of weeks for Triple Beam uh, Triple Beam streams. Thank you. Peace out. Everything I do, I be ten steps ahead. Ten. My young ain't got no body. She's still pissing the bed. Man. Keep the call to silence. Don't repeat what I said. 21. Keep out of baloney. I just came for the bread. Oh, God. My hood known for wildin' and I don't promote the violence. I done been through all the trials and tribulations. Now I'm smiling. Say you want to smoke. We at the table doing the plot and we gon' slide. Wet your shit up. Make it home for you. A siren. I'ma let them spin like a spiral. Straight up. I don't got no love for no rival. Straight up. Put him on the news. He went viral. I took a number two with my rifle. Every car I mean, I got the title. Slaughter gang, I turn a model to a hiker. I know they want me dead, I got a Keltec in this Viper. I hit all the vibes on the low, cause I'm a sniper. Even want no problems in this obvious. Call me soft, cause I laugh when I body shit. We play hot potato with the ops, we be dropping shit. Giving out free smoke, cause we got a lot of it. Trying to feed the fam, I was trapping in the cold. Dropped the mixtape, turned around, I was on the road. You can't give me no amount of money for my soul. He wasn't really no robber, he got killed cause he won his road. Matt 90 poking out my Goyard. Diamond back poking out my Louis V. Nigga, fuck your Glock, we shoot bitch off the bitch. 76, 308, and 223. I'ma let him spin like a spiral. I don't got no love for no rival. Pussy, put him on the news, he went viral. I took a number two with my rifle Every car I mean I got the title Slaughter gang, I turn a model to a hiker I know they want me dead, I got a Keltec in this Viper I hit all the vibes on the low cause I'm a sniper I make sure the beef get Swiss cheese I'm from 20 East where they killin' thieves Stones got my ears feelin' like Christmas Eve Before you bend over, baby, get on your knees Drive by, jump out, then you tie-dye Say a nigga touch me, that's a lie-lie she fried, she fucked the game, we call her Fire Guy I'm so high, I almost thought I skydived I'ma let them spin like a spiral I don't got no love for no rival Put him on the news, he went viral I took a number two with my rifle Every car I mean, I got the title Slaughter gang, I turn a model to a hiker I know they want me dead, I got a Keltec in this Viper I hit all the vibes on the low, cause I'm a sniper